Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Arab Sukkis, and I want to say a few words, especially in connection with Sukkot and the events going, the fighting and everything going on in Israel between Jew and Jew. This is under the uh, generous sponsorship of Mishpacha Stefanski, uh, who I think are in Israel, and uh, let's get down to it. Uh, and I'll cut right to the chase, because the day is short. There are, Sukkot has two main institutions, obviously. The Sukkah, that's number one. And the Arbaminim, that's number two. We all know that. And the Arbaminim is is very often, as everybody knows, used as a certain symbol of a kind of an achdus. That the, uh, you know, the estrog of the Tom and Reach, and the ones without Tom and without Reach, ones with Reach and Tom, and so forth. No, it's the four types of Jews. Uh, that's a classic. Uh, that's already in Chazal. I mean, no, this is not some modern Drusha type vort. That's in Chazal. When the Chazal talk about um, the Achdus, when they want to, the two models they bring is the Keturus and the Arbaminim, at least as far as I can remember. And, uh, I mean, you know, all the subsequent literature on it down today is based on these Chazals. I mean, they're ancient ideas. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, on the contrary, the older, as I've said a thousand times, the older model was that a Jewish community has all types in it. Not that everybody's the same. Uh, and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, because uh, fights in Israel have to do with the complex question of how to make all that work. As far as I can see, I saw in the paper that they were fighting at the Yom Kippur in Tel Aviv, you know, with the Yemachitz and Yemachitz and all sorts of kind of stuff. And, um, however, the sukkah is also a model of a unity, but of a different type, it seems to me. What am I talking about? We all know that Gemara in... in um, and Sukkah and Chavzayin, where it says, call Ezrach Yisrael Yeshubasukos, which can literally mean, call Ezrach Yisrael Yeshubasukos, because as I've said over and over again this this year and in, in the past, you know, it says Basukos three times, and two times is Chos and one time is Moli. First two times is missing Devav and Sukos, and, and the last time it's not. So when it says the Pasuk, call Ezrach Yisrael Yeshubasukos, it's missing a vav. Therefore, it can read, Kol Ezrach B'Yisrael Yeshu B'Sukas, which can mean the sukkah of somebody. In other words, an individual sukkah. So how is it possible, Kol Ezrach Yisrael Yeshu B'Sukas, that all the Jewish people should be in one sukkah? It is possible. Malamit Shekol Yisrael Royim Leisha B'Sukachas. It's in the Gemara. Malamit Shekol Yisrael Royim Leisha B'Sukachas. So, strictly speaking, from the halachic point of view, a sukkah has to be built with this in material. You can't use schach, that's makabal All those rules, lovud, chavot rami, you know, all that business, right? You know, dofen akuma, fine. But there's no restriction on the size. So, see, in other words, as far as the halach is concerned, you could have a sukkah that extends 100 miles if it had the right schach and, you know, and, and you held it up somehow or other. I don't know, you know. 
I'm not an engineer, but you know, if it, it was done in the right way, uh, think about this. You can have a bicycle with gigantic walls like a skyscraper. The only thing is, it would be open. You know what I mean? In other words, 20 amas, you'd have the schach, right? But it could be tall. It, what I'm saying, trying to say is architecturally, anything's possible. So there's no restriction on how big the sukkah is. And that's the idea. Malamit Shekhoi's relationship with sukkahs. Rashi over there talks about, you know, Shabbat and not Shabbat But I mean, the, the basic idea is that all the Jewish people can be in one sukkah. Uh, that's why it says that you can't use somebody else's lulav if they don't give it to you, but you can use somebody else's sukkah. You all know that. So we have now two models of a, of the Jewish people being united. One is that they're all in the same sukkah. The other one is that they're four different species that are tied together in a certain way. The Lulav in this way, the, the Esrig in that way, the Hadas and Arobas in their way, and so forth and so on. Now, when you think about it, these are two alternative, it seems to me anyway, these are two two alternative ways of Achdus. It was very interesting. The Sukkah model is basically a highly centralized form in which one size has to fit all if you don't like it too bad. In other words, I'm building a sukkah, and everybody can sit in it, but it's the sukkah I built. You can't say, I mean, you can't object and say, this is not the sukkah that I had in mind. I had in mind it would look differently, or different dimensions, or the schach would be of different material, or this, that, and the other. When I say, you, in other words, you can, you can object all you want, but I'm just saying you can't claim that that's a problem with the sukkah. The sukkah is kosher, and the whole people can be in one sukkah. So that's, and and even though Kishem Shein Deosein, you know, Domazelza, in parts of Domazelza, the people are going to have different ideas of stuff, and they're going to be different types. But the the Chacham, the Rosh, the Tamene, the Elishol are all sitting in the same sukkah. Okay? That's the idea, that's the model. It seems to me that's the model of homogeneity. Everybody has to be homogenized. It's one sukkah. Uh, every group in Klai Yisrael, not every group, but a lot of groups in Klai Yisrael want the model of the sukkah, right? I mean, every Lubavitcher wants that everybody should be Lubavitch. That's, that's who they are. Every Avad Yosef guy wants that everybody should be Sephardi. That's who they are. That's the model of Kol Ezra Yisrael, Yeshu Basukas. Now, he means my sukkah, <laughs> right? You all should sit in my sukkah. I, it's not the sukkah that you had in mind. Yeah, I get that, but you should all sit in my sukkah. And, uh, you know, like it or lump it, and, and that's how it goes. Uh, it doesn't require any sort of accommodations for the individual differences among the, the people. It's one big sukkah. As a matter of fact, <coughs> because sukkah is a, is a spatial kind of mitzvah, it's a matter of sitting in a certain type of space, uh, a halachic space, <coughs> mamish halachic space, because sukkah is the happy underground for halachic space. Like I said before, with luva, lavud, and uh, Dofanakuma, and uh, you know, it's all this stuff, right? P Tikra Yerba Sosem, you know, all that, all that business. You're talking about the halo- you're talking about the halachic concept of space, imposing halachic categories on the notion of space, which we do with Arabs also, obviously. Uh, so the sukkah is mamish halachic space. Matter of fact, somebody sent me a email, was it or a WhatsApp or something yesterday from Lakewood. Uh, Ari did, and uh, he said something along the lines, the way you, he's talking to me, so the way you described the, the sukkahs, on their coven sukkahs mamish, what we're doing is the sukkah 
mamish of the Erev whatever it was. Whatever, I forget exactly how he said it. But the point is, um, no, the sukkah that we use, the halachic sukkah, is very much Ananiya covered because the Ananiya covered is the idea of imposing spiritual categories upon spatial concepts. When you say the Jews are surrounded by Ananiya covered, well, what do you say? Were they, were they clouds like rain clouds? You know what I mean? Like meteorological clouds? They weren't. There's something else. The Ananim, I, I I did this in the past. I'm sure you can look at it. I mean, I, I talk, talked about this in the long ago. Ananiya covered. I know we use the word clouds. I get that. But they don't mean like meteorology clouds. They mean something different. And what you're really talking about is a spiritual entity. And that means you're taking uh, spiritual, or if you like the from word, Torah categories and imposing them upon physical space. So if I say I'm sitting in a sukkah, which is based on lovud, I mean, uh, you know, it's not physically there, but it is halachically there, as we'd say before. If you're imposing spiritual categories. Somebody in my show told me some kind of joke about a yeshiva guy was put in charge of the hen house and all the hens ran away and all the foxes got in. He said, I don't know. I had, I had Dovan Akuma. I had Lovewood. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had Pete Tickery Ovisoser. They should have blocked the animals from getting in or out. Uh, these these are halachi categories. Now, um, that's one size fits all. The On the other hand, you have the Arbaminim, which is not one size fits all at all. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. Everybody locates themselves, according to the Chazal, everybody locates themselves within the Arbaminim. Some people want to, you know, want to live the life of an Esrig. But a lot of people do not want to live the life of an Esrig. I guess what, buddy? Not everybody wants to sit a la Torah vote. It's not, it's not for them. You can criticize them. You cannot criticize them. It's not what they want. You understand? Uh, again, some people want to be a lulav. Some people want to have reich and tam, tam and reich, no tam, no reich, yes tam, yes reich. That's who they are. I don't say that they can't switch in life. There are people who have made the journey in their life journey from Aravas to, to, to Esrig. But guess what? There are also people who've made their life journey from Esrig to Aravas. <laughs> I know people like that and you do also. So if I ask you, are you a Lulav? Are you an Esrig? Adas and Ravis. Honestly, you know, just between you and yourself. Are you an Esrig? You Adas and Ravis and so on and so forth. Uh, in your Mitzvah's observance, in your Shabbos, in your davening, you know, all, all those kinds of things. An honest person will say, you know, when it comes to Chesed, I'm an, uh, I'm an Esrig. When it comes to davening, I'll tell you the truth, I'm a little bit of an Arova, or maybe I'm a Dasim, you know what I mean? I'm a, I have room for improvement. If everybody holds himself to be an esrig, that's very smug and self-complacent. You get it? Because of esrig, there's nowhere higher to go. So I got everything. Why? Just because you're Orthodox Jew, that doesn't mean you got Tom Areach. I know plenty of Orthodox Jews. They got no Tom and Areach. You get it? Uh, because they're, they're, they're a turnoff. They're obnoxious. They don't conduct themselves in the right way. You know, uh, like the prophet Isaiah says, he's got a long payas and he, then he forecloses on the widows and the orphans. You know, don't consider yourself an esrig everywhere. The most we can say is I strive to be an esrig, or maybe in some areas I'm an esrig. You get what I'm saying? You show me, for example, a guy, I know people like this. They're not particularly, uh, let's call it, let me, let me put it this way. 
I know people that learning is a turnoff for them. But on the other hand, they're active like in the Shomrim or the uh, Haverim or uh, Hatsala or things like that, which, are, which is great. I'm not knocking that at all. So then that person will say, when it comes to Limana Torah, I'm an Arova. But when it comes to Chesed, Hatsalas, Nefashas, I'm Asterig. You get what I'm saying? Each part, of, every one of us has these different parts in them. I think there's few people out there that can say I'm Esrog across the board. Right? I'm Esrog across the board. As a matter of fact, the type of person I would imagine who really is an Esrog across the board is probably too humble to acknowledge that and probably figures I'm a Rovo. <laughs> I know people like that. You know, they're worried about their various. They don't have any various. <laughs> that's, that's usually the way it goes, or, or very few. Uh, but on the other hand, looking broadly speaking, you can always divide Jewish society one way or the other, one way or the other, into the Lula of Esther, Gadas, and Rabbis. That's what the Ghazal mean. So in earlier centuries, to be an Arava meant this, and in later centuries it means that. And um, and so now you get to the modern times, especially State of Israel today, where you have all these fights over, you know, uh, what's it, the, you know, uh, public prayer and all these other kind of things you read about, at least those of us in America read about, in the press, even though the press is always biased one way or the other. You know, the Yeshiva world's going to go one way and the, uh, the CN's going to go another way. But when you read all these things, what you really are seeing is the difficulties of being agade, igud, the the four. You see, to have the four separately, if they would say, everybody gets to pick which one they want to have. In other words, dealer's choice. You have Lula, Esther, Gadas, and Rovis. And you pick the one that, that speaks to you. So if people were honest, some people would take a Lula and they wouldn't take the other three. Or some people would take a Dasim and they wouldn't take the other three. But as we know, that's not the din. When it says, It's not one or the other. You have to take the four together. So that means what you have to say is, me, myself, and I belong to one Shevet, but I have to somehow or other be ma'agade with the other Shvatim. Nowadays, it's not Ruben Shimon Levi Yehudi Sachar. It's, you know, I guess in Israel, it's Charedim, Datim, Chilonim, Mesoratim, whatever they call the different types of categories. And what we are seeing, it seems to me, especially in the religion, is that uh, the Arabs are really ticked off. The Arabs are really ticked off because they think that the Asterisks are trying to shove it down their throat. And on the other hand, you know, the Asterisks have a point also. And so you have fights. So uh, that's a different model. To come up, the perfect solution would be if somebody knows how to do, how should I put it, intelligent kiruv, can I call it that? Which would mean I don't step on anybody else's feet and I don't make any kind of threatening things, but ra- and I don't do shtick, you know, where, where uh, you know, there are rules and you break the rules in order to get your point across and things of that nature. Um uh, because I think I understand where the Chilonim are coming from. But uh, but when you're of a certain Kirov mindset, certain types, then you don't care about the rules and you don't care about anything else. And you just want to get your point across because it's a zero-sum game and you want to win. And uh, there's a certain type of Kirov person who regards himself or herself as unsuccessful unless they convert everybody to asteroid. Um uh, there are, on the other hand, those people in Kiruv 
who uh, who understand because they're out in the real world that that's not going to happen all the time. It's not going to. It's probably happen rarely. Uh, but on the other hand, if you move somebody up from an esrog to a hadasim, you already made progress. I think I told you I read, uh, and I'm not a Lubavitcher, but I read a yeah, a couple years ago. I forget when. From this guy, uh, what's his name? Professor Wertheimer, I think it was, from the JTS, from the conservative, that he was writing, this is a couple years, five years ago, something like that, where the point of his story was, you reform rabbis out there and conservative rabbis, and I mean, don't get angry at the local Chabad, even though you think they're taking people away from you, but the point of actual fact most of the time, they're not making people into asterisks. They're not converting people to orthodox practice fully. A family out there in the Midwest or the South or wherever it is, not going to flip. Obviously, it happens once in a while, but generally speaking, not going to flip. But by going to the Chabad activities to get more interested in their Judaism, and then they'll, this is what he writes, not me, it's what he writes. But then they'll join the local conservative show or the local reform show so as you actually pick up people. So, so don't shoot your local Chabad guys actually helping you. Now remember, the guy writing this was not from, but he was saying this in basis of his sociological research. He went around the country <coughs> looking at different activities, which means when you're out there really on the front lines of Kiruv uh, and not just sitting back and, you know, like in uh, Baltimore Lakewood, just uh, talking about it, uh, then you know that it doesn't work so simple that you talk to somebody and they flip. And yesterday they were Machal Shabbos and the next day they're Shomer Shabbos. That happens once in a blue moon, but that's all. Instead, what happens is, if you're Matzliach, they'll move up, like I said before, from Aravas to Hadassim, or something like that. And that's good too, because every mitzvah somebody does is a good thing. Now, if you define success or failure, or whether or not they get to the Esteric status and become Shomer Shabbos, Shomer Tarzim Shpacha, and all the rest of it, uh, then you're up for, for, for difficult times. In spite of what I just said, a real go-getter is by, t- by nature going to try to make everybody in Tanseric. By hook or crook. You know, one way or the other. And, uh, and sometimes they're successful. But often what it means is they play fast and, and loose with the rules because the only thing that counts is success. And... You can understand that some people turn off by that, especially if they see this as threatening. You understand? Uh, we have to understand is that the uh, Hadassah Marobas, they, they can view the Esther as threatening. Uh, the way people feel bad when the wrong people move in their neighborhood or something like that. Next thing you know, the neighbor's going to flip out. Uh, whether Jewish or not Jewish or white or black or green or purple, People are going to say, oh, they can start getting scared. And that's because until now, everything's been the way I like it. And now they're going to change it. And they're changing it not in accordance with what I feel comfortable with, but in accordance with the pressure. Uh, right or wrong, true or not, I'm not in Israel, true or not, this seems the way the Chilonim are obviously feeling that there's like a full court press to try to change the country. And next thing you know, they're going to tell me how to dress and, you know, my wife won't be able to go out with uh, with sleeveless and all that kind of stuff. And that freaks them out, okay? Now you can say, tough luck, but then don't expect there won't be a pushback. Instead, the Torah says there has to be some way 
where you have Lulav Esther Gadas Hamarovas, and they have to be uh, united. It does not mean, because we do it once a year, for a few days. That's what the Torah mandates. It's not a mitzvah you do every day. Why don't you have a mitzvah of, of the Arba Minim every day? And you say, see, we have part of the Jewish liturgy and practices that we always model, uh, you know, the four Minim that we always strive for unity. It's not that way. It's once a year for a few days. And as I understand it, what it means is, this is who the Lulav Esther Adasim are this year, and then let go of them. And next year, maybe you'll find out the people have moved. But that there's going to be people, there are going to be Michal Shabbos, seems to be like a permanent. It's hard for us to think this way, because the last couple hundred years, since the Jewish polity fell apart, and now we're competing groups, and especially in the 1800s and early 1900s, it looked like so much pressure to make everybody stop keeping Shabbos and things like that. So everyone formed a klipa, you know, hard shell around them and said, you know, we have to preserve our own identity. And uh, the other side is like the enemy. And the only way we can we can uh, respond successfully, tri- triumphantly, is by uh, converting the other side. In other words, if if we go and make all those people who are reform, conservatives, and into orthodox, then we will have won the battle of history. Because it won't be a question of who's a better arguer or who has more cogent uh, view of Judaism. As the Germans say, the history will be the judge. And since everybody eventually became from, you see all the non-from stuff, you know, was uh, invalid. Uh, I get, I understand that way of thinking. You know, I, I, I Believe me, I get it. But on a Lamaisa take a basis, that's not how the Torah says it's going to be. The Torah says it's going to be Lulavest, we got Dasim Rovis. There always will be from Jews, there always be non from Jews. Hundreds of years ago, the non from expressed itself in Kalus Bemitzvos. You understand? Let me ask you the following question. In every Jewish community down the ages, there weren't crooks and criminals, there weren't prostitutes, there were. There were. If you know anything about the Swarm and the Shalos and Shubas, you, you, you know, uh, they're Bali Avera. Um, throughout history, there no, wasn't such a thing. Bishiba Shalmata Onamatinlis Baliim Avaryonim. There weren't Avaryonim. You understand? There were. There never was a Jewish community like you have now in Israel, where you possibly could have like a B'nai Brock type situation or whatever or a Kiryat Sefer, where everybody's a, a, a Bentor. Never was such a thing. That's a modern phenomenon, which is basically due to the funding of the State of Israel. <laughs> that's, a, that's a subject in and of itself. Never was a thing like that. But um, throughout history, you go to Vilna, go to, to Warsaw, go to uh, you know Rome, and go to uh, Cairo in the time of the Rambam, or anything like that. Done the Rambam say, never will be a kill. Done that problem with Arias. Okay? So it's not even a question of people walking with or without, you know, uh, uh, a yarmulke or whatever. There always are parallel avera. The different averas change sometimes from from time to time, and sometimes they don't change, right? As you saw from that the Chaim Walder thing, you know, some averas don't change, but you have those that do, and so you cannot. I mean, it's nice that everybody would be an esrog, but it'll never happen. Maybe externally they'll look like estrogs, and maybe you'll get everybody to wear a black hat, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that they're going to re- that they're going to be estrogs. 
You understand? There always will be Hadas Amarovitz and Lulovim. If you accept that you know, axiom, that reality, then it's not a, a model of Sukkot's Mamish, and then, you know, everybody fits in one Sukkah. Um, everybody can fit in one Sukkah, but, you know, the, 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 that means everybody's the same. It's going to always have to be a way of working out the relate, always working out the relationships between the four minim. Now, the way of working it out probably alters from generation to generation, century to century. That's true. Uh, but that means that there's an existential uh, challenge all the time in every generation. How to work out, once again, the relationships between the Lul of Esther, Gadas, and Rabbis. I don't think in Israel anybody's actually, you know, give much thought to how to work out the Lul of Esther, Gadas, and Rabbis. And it's not simple, because I know the Chilin have the Supreme Court issuing all these rules. I mean, I get it. And it does get more difficult because of the intrusive nature of a lot of uh, modern liberal culture, progressive culture, in which they want to force, you know, sexual norms and this and that and the other into, onto all kind of people. I, I, I do get that. But as we all know, uh, you know, unilateral moves on one part provoke counter moves on the other part. And the Lul of Esther, is based on the idea of negotiating maybe every year, because I tell you, the Sukkot comes every year for a few days. So maybe every year you're supposed to re, you know, renegotiate how that works. But if you take seriously what the Chazal say, that some are the Tzadikim and some are the Rishayim and some are the Bainim and some are this, that, and the other, the four different types of Jews, and they have to be Ma'age, there's no question that the Esther, you know, uh, is is uh, perhaps superior on them, older, but but I got news for you. It's not a kosher set unless it has all four. So uh, there you have the two different models. I think the problem going on in Israel now is that certainly probably each group sees the other one that's trying to force on them. The Chilonim see it. As far as I can tell, everybody's trying to make them into an esrog. The others see it that the Chilonim, the Supreme Court, is trying to make everybody into Arobas. Uh And I think, me, myself, and I, I think that the demography has gone in such a direction that most Chilonim, uh, you know, say ruefully, all right, you're always going to have these asterisks. I, mean, I don't think the whole, they think the whole Kairidim and everything that that team is going to go away. It's going to be part of Israel. They just hope to win over some of them. Uh, I tell you the truth, I don't know how the older ones see it. Uh, the younger Chilonim, as far as I can tell from all these protesters, seem to be, you know, do your own thing, but don't take away my right to be an Arava. You know, something along those lines. Uh, how this is going to work out in the end, I don't know, but let's put it this way. The challenge of, of putting together Arba Minim the four meaning, the four types, in Tavshin Pei Dalad, it's not the same thing as it was in Tavshin Pei Gimel or Tavshin Pei Beis. And who knows what the nature of the challenge is going to be in Tavshin Pei Hey. I only hope that, um, you know, it'll be a smoother relations in Tavshin Pei Hey by this time next year. But I would suggest, if you have an intelligent conversation in your sukkah, uh, how to apply the model of the Arba Minim and how exactly to be ma'agedem in contemporary terms uh, would be an interesting discussion both for the adults and for the children at the table.
Uh, all right, as, as I said, I want to thank Mishpach Zemansky and wish them a good time in Israel. We should all have a good time in Israel. I wish you have a little more Achtas. And Kali's wrong with that. I wish everybody a good yon. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.